There is a specific kind of fight you can only have with your sister. It's the kind where you say things you can't take back. You say them because you can't help but say them. Because you're so angry it's coming up your throat and out your eyes. You're so angry you can't see straight. All you see is blood. Welcome to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the book better than the movie. I'm with the soon-to-be hitched man himself, Eric. How are you? I am doing well. Although I'm, uh, I'm not eating. I don't know if you can hear, listeners. Um, there's a, there's a puppy in our midst. Her name is what's her name? Well, this is your dog, Roxy. Roxy. Roxy's here. I knew it was Roxy. I just wanted you to introduce. I appreciate her. that. Thank you. Yeah, Roxy has been, um, not quiet uh, as we've been trying to record here. So we. Brought her crate down here so she can see us and not whine. And now she's chewing. She's eating some little little things. I can't remember what they're called, but these little treats. Yeah, little dog treats. Little bacon treats. Yeah. I eat some myself from time to time. but Well, I think it's, it's safe for anybody to eat. Yeah. I mean, if a dog can eat it, you can eat it. Yeah. You can eat dog food. I mean, I love bacon, so it's like, <laughs> come on. It's, it's easier to get the bacon. Yeah. in dog treat form. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, big uh, big news here on the Little Ends front. I'm I'm getting married on Friday. Congratulations! Buying a house on uh, Wednesday. Oh my god! Wednesday before the Friday, so it's kind of a big week. It's a big week. <laughs> um, it's Monday now, so yeah. This is the peak of uh, my what's it, the opposite of nervous? Confidence. It's before the nerves have come. Okay. But they'll they will come and they will come Wednesday morning fast. Yeah. So be ready. Yeah. That's awesome. why we're doing this now and yeah. not, <laughs> not on Wednesday. <laughs> Good. Well, Lit to Lens, for those folks who don't know, is a podcast where we discuss a book and its movie adaptation. This is the second episode of season six, where we are discussing Netflix. Netflix and chill movies. Um, Get a dog. Watch movies on your couch with said dog. Yeah. Or girlfriend or boyfriend, if you want. Or, I mean, maybe. Dogs are better. Yeah. Yeah. As somebody that is getting married. (laughs) Get a dog. (laughs) Get a dog. I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) So what did we do in this season, Eric? And what are we starting with? Uh, we are, in this episode, hitting To All the Boys I've Loved Before. The, I don't know if it's the original Netflix rom-com, but it certainly one of the most popular titles Netflix has ever produced. This is a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Um, it was based on a book of the same name, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, by Jenny Han, written in 2014, with a 4.16 star rating on goodreads that's pretty good pretty good i feel like you look at goodreads and most of the books are sub four yeah i don't know what i never know what to rate goodreads it kind of stinks to have like five stars only it's either three or four in most cases for me yeah well i've done a couple fives but those are just because i emotionally or like love them just because i had a great time reading them yeah i think that's probably part of it you got to use those five sparingly yeah If, if you had 10 like zero to 10 or one to 10 or something That'd probably be more difficult. Like an IMDb rating. Yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah. At some point, like, everything's just going to become four stars, right? Four-ish. Four-ish, yeah. Or 4.16. But I feel like 4.16 is pretty good for Goodreads in general. Yes. So. I agree. Um, so this book came out in 2014, like I mentioned. It was adapted in 2018 for the aforementioned Netflix movie, um, directed by Susan Johnson, screen written for the screen by Sofia Alvarez, and starring Lana Candor and the one, the only, Noah Centineo. Oh my gosh. I think I said that right. I didn't even make that little. He's so dreamy. Um, Rotten Tomato score of 97%. That's a kiss for those. And Metacritic of 64. So, good. Big disparity in the in the Metacritic Rotten Tomatoes, but there's always a disparity between those scores. Metacritic is usually lower, right? Yeah. Oh, it's always almost, almost always lower. 64 is like generally a pretty good movie. Anything above that, like 80, anything 80 above is like probably great. Um, so, so you would say this is a pretty good movie. Don't give it away. I wouldn't say that. But. <laughs> um, so I'll run through the quick recap. Um, to all the boys I've loved before, this is the book. tells the story of Laura Jean Covey, a high school student living in Virginia, the great state of Virginia. The great commonwealth of Virginia, excuse mm-hmm. me, not a state. VA, baby. I've lived here my whole life. I knew. Oh, shoot. I know better. Um, one day, a popular boy named Peter Kavinsky, as we mentioned before we started recording, Peter Kavinsky has to be said as... Peter Kavinsky. Yes. It's not a Peter. It's not a Kavinsky. It's, it's a Peter, Peter Kavinsky. Kavinsky. Yes. I feel like any Peter you have, like Peter Parker, Peter Pan. Oh, good point. You know, yeah, it's not just, you don't just call him Peter. You just call him Peter. Unless you're Gar Peter. Yeah. But that's Peter the Pirate from, uh, from Dodgeball. Damn, I guess you're right. So anyway, one day a popular boy named Peter Kavinsky receives a love letter from Laura Jean. Though the letter was written years ago, Laura Jean is horrified. For the past several years, when Laura Jean develops a crush on a boy, she'll write an addressed love letter that speaks to the nature of that crush. Uh, there are five in all, and all are mysteriously sent out. What? In addition to Peter, Josh Sanderson receives a letter. He's the ex-boyfriend of Laura Jean's older sister, Margot, and is crushed on by both Laura Jean, her little sister Kitty, and Margot. Man. Um, to keep her love for Josh a secret, Laura Jean enters a fake relationship with Peter Kavinsky, who is also looking to make his ex, Jen, jealous their fake relationship flourishes until drum roll their feelings turn real oh no however a late semester ski trip creates complications when rumors spread that laura jean and peter had sex in a hot tub this book gets like very steamy wow Uh, tensions bubble over at a family gathering that includes peter kavinsky josh and margo but ultimately laura jean decides her relationship with peter was real and was worth fighting for the book ends with her writing him a love note Wow. Will, that is To All the Boys I Have Loved Before, 2014. What a novel. What did you think? Um, I struggled. Um, I told you before the uh, before we started recording that I actually split it up between the book and the audio book because I just couldn't read it. Um, because this is just not intended for me, I think. Did your I, eyes give out or why couldn't you read it? I mean, it? I cried a few times. Yeah. But um, it is just, you know, it's very, very stereotypical um teenage girl book teenage girl drama um she loves the boy blah 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 head over heels etc cetera, etc cetera. and it plays to that a lot and for me i just had trouble just reading that in general so i put on the audiobook which wasn't much better but it was easier than reading so i was able to get through it what about you? You what just you press think? play and it just went. Yeah, yeah. I, I also struggle with this. That's why this episode's coming out a little bit later. I think this was meant for a June release. Yes, yeah. first week of and July. It's, it's first week of July now because 
yeah, I mean, I don't think it was meant for me either. Um, and I definitely struggled reading through the first half of it. But, I mean, that's fine. It's mm-hmm. not for me. Right. We're pushing ourselves. We're trying something new. Yeah. We're uh, entering the mind of Laura Jean Covey. And we've, we've made Laura it out Jean. the other side. Laura Jean. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny to think, like, it's... It's actually not like a. It's not difficult to read. Like we should, we should make that point where it's not intellectually difficult. It's like kind yeah. of a breezy read. Yeah. It's just, this is probably not either of our tastes. So, fair enough. It's hard. It's, it takes more effort to push through it. I think. Yeah, I've noticed when I watch high school shows or movies now, or read high school books. Like, I just don't connect with the characters anymore. Mm. And I, I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's obviously on me, right? Mm. Like, I'm so, We're just older. Yeah. High school was 10 plus years ago for us now. Mm. And so the, like, things that are important to these characters. Right. We know through life experience are so m- minimal. Or right. Like, you will forget. Yeah. Forget these things in a few, year, a few yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Like, there are big things that happen in your life when you're in high school, sure. But, like, eventually those things sort of melt away. Right. Who's going to remember, like, a crush you had for a, f- a few weeks, like... Or five crushes. Or five crushes that, that you sent out letters to. Let's just let's admit, like, that's... It's, 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 I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility of writing these. I think it's a good idea to actually, like... It's probably therapeutic to do that. Yeah. Kind of write those things out. But, like, to put them in envelopes and to actually address them... With stamps. It's like... Yeah. You obviously have the intention of doing this eventually... That's true. So when you're in, what do they like write letters when they're in like therapy typically, or like, don't people write letters when they want to like apologize to somebody or? Mm, yeah. If yeah, if you go through something that yeah maybe like marriage counseling, maybe it's like partly that or something. But that's a note to like a private person that's not addressed. Right. But it, I mean, yeah. Is that meant to be read by the actual person? Yeah. It's, but it's a YA novel, there. so they yeah well you, know, you address it yeah you yeah. address it so. But with that said, um, it was it was it was entertaining at parts, um, but yeah, yeah, not not for us. Yeah, so and we'll get more into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So before we get into it, I have a little game for you. I was about to get into it. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Well, you're gonna have to wait. Two truths, one lie. I think we all know how how it goes. Um, I'm gonna read out two. I'm gonna read out three actually. Okay. And you're gonna have to guess a lie. So, you ready? Yeah. Actress Lana Kandor, who played um, Laura Jean in the film, was an orphan in Vietnam before being adopted before, before her first birthday. Um, this film contained one of the most successful stars um, as one of its actors of the former app called Vine. Now, I'm not sure all of our listeners will be familiar with that, but Vine was a very popular app maybe 10, 15 years ago. It was like the TikTok before it was TikTok. Uh, and then Noah Centineo um, has less Instagram followers, 19.1 million, than his girlfriend, Alexis Wren. Wow. 19.1 million Instagram followers. Imagine that for a second. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. I will not. Imagine, like, anything you post immediately. You have to turn off notifications, right? You just, like, you yeah. have notifications. Yeah. I had a post once. This is off topic, but that got... 12,000 likes and I have like 250 followers and it like non-stop oh my god like ping ping like ping, right, ping, right, ping. Right. yeah was oh, just a Griffey one with a compass coffee no I got a um, I took a picture of two cakes 
This is going to sound stupid explaining it. No, but please do. Yeah, I took a picture of two cakes. One was this, like, triple-tiered birthday cake, and one was this, like, smaller, six-inch in diameter cake. Okay. And I said, for the small cake, your cake, and of the larger cake, versus the cake they told you not to worry about. Oh. Tapping into that meme from two and a half years ago <laughs> that everyone, I'm sure, remembers. Ooh. Yeah. That's pretty good. And I just got a ton of likes. That's wild. Yeah. Did I like it? I don't think it was 12,000. I think it was probably, like, 2,000. But in my mind, it felt like twelve thousand. It was like twelve thousand. <laughs> it was like a Noah Centineo post. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna say the lie is. So I recognize that guy that you're talking about, the oh, porn star. Yeah, yeah. I th- and now that you said it, I'm like, okay, that's the connection. So I yep. think that's him. Mm-hmm. Noah Centineo. I have no idea who that person, Alexis Wren, is. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, that could be true. I'm gonna say the first one though. Lena Condor was not. Adopted before she was one years old from Vietnam? Eh, incorrect. Oh, she was? She was. Okay. She was. Uh, she had a different name, and she was adopted by actually a uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist in the Seattle area. Um, so he actually is also a producer for the new Seattle NHL team, I found out. So, okay. random fun fact. But yeah, so that was the that is actually true, so you were wrong. The lie was Noah Centineo actually has more Instagram followers than his girlfriend, Alexis Ren, who only has 13 point something. So Only has 13 million followers. 13.8. So. Wow. He should date me, and then I could get my follower count up. Yeah. Or she could date, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Get my follower count up. <laughs> yeah, so Alexis Ren, I think, is pretty popular. I don't know if she's like a, if she's just like an Instagram model or something, but I've definitely heard her name before. Um, so that was surprising to me for, to see that. So congratulations, Nelson. Centineo yep. on the Instagram. Congratulations <laughs> on the movie. Um, yeah. So, and congratulations on being incredibly good looking. Yeah. Do you think he was in? How do you think his following blossomed post movie? Do you think he always oh. had a lot of followers? Because I know he was in mm. a TV show before the Fosters. He was. But it couldn't have been like. It must have been. No, it must have been maybe maybe a couple million. He's probably like a hot guy on Instagram, so he's got like maybe a couple million or something. I'm sure it blew up after the movie. It had to have. Yeah. All right. Just a wider audience. Well, you learn something new every every time you record. That's true. Yeah. So that's why I played. Congrats! Congrats for that. So uh, we're gonna take a quick little break, and then we're gonna get into the adaptation. Hello, hello, hello. It's Eric. If you're listening to this episode of the Lit to Lens podcast, whether or not you're actually enjoying it is up to you. But I've got good news. There are lots more episodes. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. And follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Lit to Lens. Don't forget to laugh at Will's jokes in this episode. He needs the positive affirmation. I just want to put that out there. And now, back to the show. And we're back. So, Eric, you lost at the game, but you can redeem yourself here by letting us know why would you adapt the novel To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. Okay. Thank you for your question, Will. Well, um... I think the setup is actually pretty clever. Mm-hmm. Um, having those love letters go out and having boys that she hasn't seen in a couple of years trickle back into her life, who probably otherwise wouldn't have. Like, one of them is really popular. One of them is her sister's boyfriend, but that's sort of... We'll get into that. Right. Um, some of the other ones are are around, but, like, not really around in her life anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that, that is, it's a smart way to set the story in motion. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of good character building, too, because you can tell that her as a character doesn't tell boys that she just like has these feelings and bottles them up 
with pen and paper and sticks them into a hat box in her closet. Mm. So you learn a lot about her like through that, which mm. I think is, is like a, is a good double punch. Okay. Good right. way to start. Right. Um, I feel like a lot of rom-coms are sort of like that, right? Where they have a hook. And it's, it could be different. It could be the same. But there's always like a unique factor. About the character? Or about the plot. Okay. That, that makes the rom-coms different. That's true. Yeah. This, so you've yeah. got mail. So they're always... Emailing. Messing, it's all on email. Yeah. Or, oh, no, we're testing my rom-com knowledge. I'm but there's sure that other deep. Netflix one, Set It Up, with Glenn Powell and Lucy Liu and yeah. Tyrese, maybe, mm-hmm. where they're, like, setting their bosses up, but then it turns out that they fall in love. Yes. So I think I feel like there's always some sort of hook Yeah. that pulls you in. Yeah, some interesting situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and this one was certainly interesting. That was probably the most interesting part of the book for me, where it's like, oh, that's that would be... That would really suck if that happened. It would super suck. <laughs> all your crushes know that you love them or whatever. Yeah. And now you have to confront all of them, essentially. Yeah. Or most of them. Yeah, they would be book. very confused, too, because they're like, what is a letter? Like, I don't understand. Right. What are we in, like, Do they even the have mailboxes? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I think is probably, I mentioned Set It Up, but it, I, at some point there was a Netflix, like, run of rom-coms. Was there? And... Just look it up, dude. I can't, I can't prove it, but I feel like there was. And we had this whole conversation Googling a couple right years now. ago about like the rom-com boom. Like Crazy Rich Asians had come out. Like this movie had come out. Oh. Set it up had come out. There was a couple of other, of other movies. You're right. And I just imagined at some point Netflix was like, you know what we can do really well is make rom-coms. Yeah. There's a certain like, price point. We can afford to do it. We know that people will like it. This one specifically is meant for a YA. So I just wonder if they were looking for certain properties that were cool, were sold well, and just gobbled them up. And we're like, we're just going to produce these. We can get two young people to star in it. We can mm-hmm. make stars. They'll fold into the Netflix machine. And uh, that's just how it's going to work, you know? So, given what you just said, you've been given this assignment. How would you go about actually adapting it? So I think the... I mentioned I like the premise, mm-hmm. right? I think the number one thing for the book to make it into the movie or that I want to keep that I would start with is just the voice. Like we were talking about this. We, we didn't necessarily vibe with the book, but I think Laura Jean's voice as a character in the novel is really good. Mm-hmm. Like it's really good writing. It's really thought out. It's very like, if I say like Laura Jean's voice, you know exactly what I'm talking about, yeah, right? For like sure. It's, she's a very well written and thought out and yeah. like, verbalized vocalized she comes to life on What's, the page yeah, it's funny because she's constantly second guessing herself yeah she'll say things something automatically but then she'll be like oh wait and she'll think reverse yeah yeah so i, I would want to keep that because i think it's really good i don't think necessarily there needs to be a ton of voiceover i think there is in the movie like a little bit mm-hmm. but i like as an actor i just be like this is so easy like she's right. such a good main character because she's got these neuroses and she's got the like perfect arc which is that i'm just like very i'm not willing to put myself out there right and that's why i put all these things in my closet and then i'm now forced like the band-aid is literally ripped off of me yeah now she's forced to put herself out there yeah right so i like that i want to keep that mm-hmm. um i really like the hook as mentioned before so we don't have to talk about that again and then i think i really like the family dynamic in the book there is a lot more of this sort of like blended korean american family mm-hmm with the mom that's passed away right. like years ago before the, the book takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's something to Laura Jean and her sister. Margo. Margo. Margo goes to college. Laura Jean sort of has to assume the role of the mother figure in the family. Right. I think that's all really good in the book. Yeah. I, I'm, I, pr- I probably would get rid of it. Just really? because I think you're making this, we've like decided this is going to be a romance, and I think it's, there's just not enough time yeah. to really go into the like, machinations of the family dynamic. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I just think it's, it's, it's like two, it's sort of two plots. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's probably hard to condense all that stuff into 90 minutes. You know, 90 to um, 120 minutes or whatever. Yeah. But for a 300 plus book, it's, it's a little easier to, Flush yeah, out. it's a long book. Yeah, it is, and to flush out like the, you know, the the single father dynamic with you know three daughters, the death of the mother, yeah, um, and how those dynamics kind of play out, and then the, obviously the relationships, different different relationships between each of her sisters as well. Yeah, which I thought, yeah, sorry, go ahead. We'll get into my thinkings later. Yeah. So the last thing I would say here is I don't know how you felt about Chris. The character Chris mm-hmm. in the book mm-hmm. really oh, man. didn't like her at all. Really slutty. Yeah, and it, it's it, the way it's written is that she is like I don't know. Do you think she's cool? Mm. I feel like that's what they're going for. She's like trying to be cool. He's trying to be with the in crowd and like kind of like go to parties, drink, do drugs, make out with boys, yeah, or have sex with boys, whatever. Yeah, doesn't really like I don't understand. I don't understand it. Like it doesn't. She, to me, she's not friends with Laura Jean. Like if those two people existed in high school mm. i don't really see how they're friends yeah i mean they kind of try to play it off play it off as like they're they were friends before she turned this way yeah and they, both, they were just kind of stayed friends yeah i don't know maybe just have maybe it's she wanted to like thrust in this like uh stereotypical like kind of like bad bad teenager character you know um as a friend and wanted to incorporate that somehow but it she didn't really affect the story um meaningfully in any way but she was like her slutty friend kind of yeah she's supposed to be laura jean's only friend i think she's kind of that's, that in both that's true in the book. actually yeah but i just didn't i just didn't get her as the friend in the book yeah would you like change her character or would you change i, I would chill I, I would make her chill out chill. yeah <laughs> not make out with like five guys yeah and i think whatever. when we, we talk about adaptations like acting plays a big role because like that character could be the same but if you get the right actor it like creates more emotionality or like better like there's chemistry something new right, right yeah so when you're just <laughs> excuse your Roxy. You, Roxy. <laughs> when you're just like writing a character you're you're leaving the reader to fill in some like the 3d print of her personality or whatever but if you have an actress she can do that for you that's true so that's true those are my four things here okay um i think those are good i think that that all makes sense yeah, you're right. I didn't really get the Chris character. In the... I mean, the Chris character in the movie was a little bit more toned down, but yeah, you're right. I think she was a little bit, like, way too different from her. Yeah. But I feel like traditionally that character is like the zany friend. Yeah, like the it's crazy. like, oh, I'm kind of weird. Like, right, right. Um, but in the book, she was just like not. She was like way too much. Did you ever see Booksmart? No. Oh, okay. That was a really good movie. So they have two main character girls who are very kind of similar who kind of veer off because they have different, like, paths. But, like, that would be a better, for this movie, I think, like, what you're saying. If they're, like, more closely related. Yeah. It's easier for them to have, like, conflict, kind of. Yeah. Or it's more dramatic, I guess. Yeah. Because Chris is important in that, yeah, she's the only friend, but also she's 
Genevieve's, who's Peter Kaminsky's ex, mm-hmm. cousin, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still some sort of, like, harboring ill will between the two of them. Yeah. That Laura Jean is in between, in a way. And right. And then becomes more in between. So, is it weird that she, her name is Chris? I don't think so. I just don't know of any, like, girls that, when we grew up that were... They may, we were named Christina or something, but we're, we called them Chris. It was weird to me. Yeah, maybe. Just me. I, I do think it's weird that they didn't change any of the names. Like, yeah. not a single name was changed yeah. in the movie or the book. I like that. There, I was thinking, like, so many of them do that. Yeah, and I think we've do. talked about that on this podcast. Yeah. Maybe even last episode or mm-hmm. two episodes ago, mm-hmm. where they just changed the name for no reason. Yeah, just to... Because the writer wants credit. The screenwriter, excuse me. Yeah. They or it could be like, thing. you know, Harrison Ford doesn't want to play a character named Jack again. I'm trying to remember, there was something where we were talking about this. It's yeah. like, why change his name to whatever? Maybe it was Invisible Man. Oh, it was Solaris. Yeah, I wanted to think it was Solaris. Yeah, it was like, they uh, changed the, the main guy's name. They made it more uh, American. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. I think it was Chris. It went, it, from, was... it went from Chris with a K to Chris. Yes, that's what it was. Wow, full circle. Way to go. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Little Lens. <laughs> we'll be here all night. On that note, we're going to go to another game. Are you ready? Hit me. It's called Guess the Review. So I'm going to I'm going to quote the review and you're, you know, I'm going to quote all three and then in a row and then you're going to guess, you know, is this is this person reviewing the book or are they reviewing the film? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Sorry, yes, I'm ready. Okay. Be affirmative. Quote. What else? Unquote. Wow. Okay, ready? Yeah. Second one. Quote. A botched job, unquote. I like that you're just picking like little small. Yeah. Wait, sorry, do this again. I don't want to talk to her yet. <laughs> Number three, a big cliche, unquote. Wow. Whatevs, a botched job, a big cliche. A big cliche sounds like the Will review that you wrote on Goodreads. I might have. That would be so good if you quoted yourself. <laughs> um, okay, so whatevs. Whatevs feels like a wannabe hip movie reviewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatevs. I'm one with the teens. <laughs> hey, you fellow. I'm also not because I What's the Billy Madison joke? Like, Which one? Hey, you fellow kids with a. I never watched Billy Madison. Wow. So. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Will. <laughs> so I'm gonna say whatevs is a is is movie. Okay. Um, a botched job. I don't. I mean, that that also feels like a movie review because the job, like writing a novel, is not really a job, right? Making a movie is a job. There's multiple people. Maybe. So, now you know the inner workings of my brain. <laughs> um, and the last one was what was the last one? A big cliche. A big cliche. So I've done two movies. You got I might it. as well do a book. Yeah. I should have done all three movies. I don't have the I don't have the courage. <laughs> so I'm gonna go movie, movie, book. You are absolutely right. Damn! I actually thought this was gonna get you. Like, fuck. <laughs> so yeah, what else was by Leslie Felperin of the Hollywood Reporter. A botched job was by Inku Kang by uh, Slate or Slate Magazine. Okay. Uh, a big cliche was by Mayar. Mayari Mendoza Mendez on Goodreads. So, okay. shout out to all those people you guys reviewed and That was good. I do like that you're chopping them down now. Yeah. You make it really hard to tell. Yeah. What's what? Yeah, you know, I learned. You know, you gotta. You can't leave 
you know, this book sucked in a review game where you're picking the... You know, this book sucked. No. Could be the book, could be the movie, who knows. Well, congratulations, Eric. Thank you. I feel like I'm, I'm 10 for 10 on these. Well, so. I, I think that's debatable, but we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Will here. If you've made it this far, we thank you. There's not much left, we promise. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Instagram, at Lit2Lens. We want you to continue to grow the LTLing community. If you don't like any of the ideas sprouted in our conversations, just remember, all those are Eric's ideas. I came up with all the good ones. And now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back. Now, we're going to get into a little joke time. Some jokes for it. Joke time. You ready for it? I need a drop here. You need a mic drop? Ding. Or? Oh, it's a little ding. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Do you want to go first or do you want uh, me to go first? Are you ready? First. All right. You go first. All right. I'm ready. Um, I'm holding a beer in my hand, Will. I just want to say that before I tell my joke. Gotcha. Um, what is Peter Kavinsky's motto for staying sober at parties? Uh, I don't know. Don't drink hooch. Drink the booch. For kombucha, because he drinks kombucha oh. at the party. Which I call You're it right. the booch. You know? The booch. I don't call it that. That was pretty good. Yeah. Is that was is the hooch called? It's like, another name for alcohol. Is it? Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Where'd you where where the fuck do they say I that? Know West things. Virginia something? I know things. <laughs> yeah. I've got three books on moonshine that I'm digging into. Oh really? Later this year. Like how to like make it and stuff? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean oh. I'm not allowed legally I'm not allowed to say that. That's fair enough, yeah. We'll I think you out. can make moonshine actually as long as you don't sell it. I think that that sounds right. Yeah, like you, beer, you can maybe right? gift it or something. Yeah. yeah. Can you sell your own beer? Mm, probably not. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, anyway, we'll look it up. Okay. Um, Put it in the show notes. Good joke. I like it. Thank you. What, what was it again? Don't drink the hooch. Drink the booch. Drink the booch. Drink the booch. Let's say that at parties. <laughs> maybe I'd be like Pete Kaminsky. I'm like, what are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking the booch. The booch, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> My joke is, if there was a porno adaptation for this film. What do you think it would be called? I don't even. Want, I don't even want to think about this. To all the boys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to this all is, this <laughs> is a family show. <laughs> all right. To all the boys I swallowed before. No. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We are rated mature. All right. What's the next segment? <laughs> For good reason. Yeah, we're just gonna move on from that. But thank you for, for listening to our jokes. We'll probably split these up and post them on our Instagram story. <laughs> I don't think so. I think my joke was objectively uh, way, way better. I mean, you know. As long Maybe as we for a PG audience. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. So, joke time's over. No more laughs, people. All serious business. Yep. Are you ready? Yeah. How does this film adaptation stand up to its original source material? Eric, go. Uh, it's, like, literal. It's almost exactly the same. How do you do? You agree or disagree? I agree. There are only minor differences in like the characters or like where things happened or you know some characters didn't show up until like uh her the one of her the guys that she wrote the letters for. Yeah. It shows up at the very end of the movie. The John UN Ambrose guy. McLaren. Thank you. Wow, good memory. No. Just wait till you watch the sequel. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just wait till the next episode um, of Little Ones. I will not watch the sequel. To all so. the boys I've loved before. You can do that episode by yourself. P.S. I love you. Anyway. I love you. I, I still love that... you, maybe? Yeah. Because I think P.S. I love you is a movie. Yeah. It's copyright, so they can't do that. 
Anyway. Anyway. So, you're right. Um, I want to hit on a couple of them because I think mm-hmm. some are bigger than others and some are just... Why? You're right. So the first one I want to talk about, because we were both Virginia people, and in the book they make a lot of mention to UVA. Yep. And I think Jenny Han, I think you mentioned, was is from Richmond. Yep. So it makes sense to set the book around what she knows. However, the movie, they live in either Seattle or Vancouver. Yeah. Do you think it's Seattle? I have no idea. One I of just, the two. Yeah, it's one of the two. I guess I just thought Seattle because this is a U.S. film, but it could have been Vancouver. I mean, either one. So my point is, like, why? Why Why do that? That's a good question. I mean, they didn't specifically say where it was, though, right? They, no. they did show some overhead shots of a city, and it was like, it looked like Seattle, and they had, like, a, a, tr- a tram line. Yeah. It was, like, for skiing and stuff, but it was, like, in the city. So, I don't know. Maybe, well, I, I do know that Vancouver has a big Asian population, and maybe Seattle does, too. I'm not sure. Maybe that has something to do with it. I that's just a total speculation, but yeah. My uneducated thinking is also that she, Margot, the sister, goes to Scotland for school, and that doesn't change. So if she's living in Seattle or the West Coast, it's way further away. Yeah, well, yeah it's like 13, 14, 15 hour flight or something. Yeah, so it's an additional like four or five hours from Virginia. Yeah. So it just removes her further from the plot. Oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. So she, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's still a long flight from Scotland to Virginia, right? Yeah. I've never done it. No. Because I don't... Why would you go to Scotland? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. For uh, the footy, footy matches? The footy's in England, but... Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was thinking maybe the distance just removes Margot from the plot. All right. Yeah. Two. Two. This is for you, this is for you Will. Okay, I'm ready. In the, in the book, um, I mean, I'm starting small and then I'm getting bigger. I can tell. So... Uh, in the book, Peter Kavinsky drives an Audi, I believe. I think it's an Audi. In the book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in so the movie, he drives a Jeep. Will, as a noted Jeep driver yourself, um, why? What, what, what say you? <clears throat> so, you know, when I was watching the movie and I saw this, I knew you were going to ask me about it because I also own a Jeep Wrangler. And, you know, my dad has one as well, so we have two at the house here. So we're a Wrangler family, you know. Um, you wrangle? Is it, well. Is it, what, do, what do they say? Are there, like, Jeep owners have names? Are you just Jeep owners? Uh, cool kids or something like that. Because you do that, like, two-finger salute to people. That's called the Jeep wave. Although, in my opinion, it should be called the Wrangler wave. Don't laugh. Please don't laugh. <laughs> it should be called the Wrangler wave because it just sounds better. So, like, Grand Cherokee owners don't do the no, Jeep wave. because uh, Grand Cherokee owners don't know anything about anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, to answer your question, I think they changed it because... An Audi, you know, is a nice car. It's very douchey for, like, a high school kid to have, right? Yeah. It's just, it just is. If you're a high school kid, you have... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> that was my phone. It wasn't me farting. But if you're a high school kid and you have, like, a sports car, you, like, automatically get elevated into this category of, like, being a douche. Yeah. And I think the movie kind of wanted to separate that. They didn't want him to be as douchey as he was in the book. Yeah. And also, uh, I think Jeep Wrangler owners are alpha males. So I think that had something to do with it. So once you buy a Jeep Wrangler and you're approved for it, you immediately become an alpha male. So got it. I can attest because I own a Jeep Wrangler. So okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I do. I do think um, as a high schooler, a Jeep is probably cooler than an Audi, even though it's. I think know, it's yeah. Not as like finance bro statusy. Finance. I like that. Um, well done. It's a, it's just like. 
Objectively, Jeeps are a little bit cooler than Audis. Yeah, I think they're... I do think, objectively speaking, that they're a little less, like... Like, if you're getting an Audi or something, you're, you're like, trying to say something. You're like, oh, my daddy's rich. You're like, I like to go fast. If you're a Jeep guy, you're just like... (laughs) I like to get outdoors. I like to have fun. Iron Man owns... to go topless. Iron Man owns an Audi. Well, Iron Man's a douche. Noah Centineo owns a Jeep. And that's all... I think, fundamentally, that's all you need to know. Yeah. Next point. Next one. Um, So, between the book and the movie, Kitty is the one, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. for folks who haven't seen this, Mm -hmm. very popular book and movie, so shame on you. Um, Kitty is the one that sends the letters to the boys. Right. Um, In the movie, her, so her motivation is different between the two. Right. right? Book and movie. In the movie, Kitty does it because she thinks Laura Jean needs more of a social life. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, sending these out there. I don't know how she knows they're there or why mm-hmm. she thinks that would help that. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, fundamentally why she does it. In the book, Kitty has a crush on Josh, like everybody else in the fucking Cubby family. Right. And almost including gets embarrassed. Dad. Including the dad, probably. Yeah. Almost gets embarrassed by having that revealed and so sends the letters as a form of punishment or, like, retribution to Laura Jean for not spilling a secret that... She didn't want like the secret's not even spilled. Yeah, she still gets back. And so I think the book one is it doesn't really make sense. Like, why would you, you know, if if you know if Kitty, who is younger than the other two sisters, has a crush on, you know, the oldest sister's boyfriend named Josh. Yeah, I call him J Bug. J Bug. I don't know. <laughs> Just move on. Marco and J Bug. All right. So she has a she has a crush on J Bug. But why would you sabotage your middle sister? Because she would look bad, maybe. Like, is that the re- but? What does that What does that do for your crush? It doesn't like do anything. So, so it doesn't make sense in either of them, right? Because like she doesn't know what's in these letters. That's true. She doesn't. Yeah. She knows who they're addressed to because they're addressed. Right. But yeah, I mean, what's it gonna? I guess they're private, and she can assume they're embarrassing. So that's why she she does it. Well, the second one in the movie, it makes more sense because it's like, oh, she, you know. If she's going to send these out, clearly there's going to be some sort of confrontation for her older sister, Laura Jean, to deal with. So maybe that'll get her out and about more. Yeah. But <clears throat> that could definitely backfire. It could certainly like make things worse. Yeah. Uh, make her even weirder and like have no friends. Um, you're right. So when I was reading and listening to the audiobook and watching, I thought um, that the motivation was literally just oh, there are these letters that she hasn't sent yet. I'll just send them. That's what I was thinking throughout the whole movie. It was just like sort of an accident. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I was like, so when they explained it, it sort of made less sense to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, that doesn't really fit what I thought. I mean, I guess you can kind of make that argument because in the movie they have the scene where um, they're eating, they're watching a movie or something, Laura Jean and Kitty. And she's, Kitty literally says, I had to cancel plans to hang out with you tonight katie's like eight or yeah eight or nine or she's something. in sixth grade i think she's in sixth grade oh you're right yeah she's so in sixth grade. she's 12 yeah so so she had to cancel plans to hang out with her older sister laura jean who's a junior yeah in high school so who like basically has no friends has one friend but she doesn't like, do anything yeah so that that sort of plays into that motivation for her and it's funny there was one scene where uh kitty was or laura jean finds out that her she comes home after she finds out that her letters were sent out, and she's screaming, she's yelling at her dad and stuff, and Kitty's there with her eyes like, uh oh, like, yeah, what did I do? But clearly she was a culprit. Yeah, 
And she could have just told her then. I don't, like, what's the incentive to not telling her? Yeah. I mean, she'll probably get whooped, but yeah, that's right. really it. I think it's, it, I think it plays into, like, kids do things off of impulse yeah. all the time. So maybe it's like she regretted it after she did it. But who knows? Do you think, so to me, there's sort of like a bit of writerly, like, you're sort of like stuck in the mud here because the premise of the movie has to be that five letters go out Mm -hmm. and you can either have somebody send the letters or you can have them go out accidentally, I guess. That's really the only two ways these letters can get somewhere. Right. So they make mention in the movie and the book, I think of like, oh, did they, did they just go to Goodwill or did the hat box just go to Goodwill? Did I accidentally like take them somewhere? That's what I thought too. So to you, would it have been better or would you have preferred an accidental send out? Like, her dad, you know, silly dad, just, like, runs in and is like, oh, these are just letters. Or Kitty does it. Like, oh, these are just letters that should be outgoing mail. Yeah, I think it would be funnier. Like, you could you could turn that into, like, a comedy. More of a comedy, right? Like, oh, why did you send these letters out? Oh, my, my dad, like, fucking went in my room and, like, he just found these letters and just sent them out. Yeah. Like, he saw, he saw these letters and, like, you can kind of, I feel like you can kind of make that into sort of, like, a funny, like, little chuckle joke or something, but... Um, I think it's, I just think the, the reasons that they had for it were kind of forced. Like, it's like, you need a motivation here. What are you going to do? I agree with that. Yeah. You know, it's like, just let it be an accident. Why can't it just be an accident? Because if you create a motivation, like they do, there has to be some resolution at the end. Mm-hmm. And there is, but it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. So you sent the letters. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I think, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I would have probably liked it better if it was just a more of an accident. I feel like... Then you could have had the dad be more of, like, the jokester or something. Like, yeah. Kind of play on his... He's pretty silly. Yeah, he's silly. You can play on his, like, kind of stupidity. Well, he has not known his daddy in the book, which yeah. kind of threw me. Like, yeah. the entire 400-page book, they only refer to him as daddy. Yeah, like, who calls... Who's going to call them? I mean, I guess maybe girls still call their dad's daddy when yeah. they're like 16, 17, maybe. Daddy, can I buy us a car? Called him sir. And then he <laughs> took away the keys to my Jeep Wrangler. Um, so next one I want to talk about was the family. So I mentioned before yeah. that I think probably the family had to be cut, but I kind of... They didn't really cut it, though. Yeah, I guess not. They kind of did and they kind of didn't. I... It was definitely chopped down, right? There was a yeah, lot more sure. between Margot and Laura Jean in the book. For where sure, yeah. it was Laura Jean having to assume the mantle of the mother and Margot being, like, Skyping her all the time and being like, you know, mm, yeah. you're making cupcakes, not brownies. Like, what are you doing? Right. This is how the house works. This is how yeah. you, like, cook food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how you help daddy. And in the movie, it's not quite like that. More or less, like, the mother's death acts as a device to connect her to peter kavinsky whose dad oh. like left the family two yeah. years prior and so it's kind of like oh we share this trauma yeah and that's really it even though those traumas are maybe at a different level like having a yeah. mom die when you're young and having your dad leave but i think they sort of keep those as just plot devices yeah yeah i mean i don't know i felt like the the characters the sister stuff like they really didn't show that much of Margot in the movie. Um, she's gone. 
Yeah, I mean, she, she, she's in the very beginning, she leaves, and there's one Skype call, and then she comes back at the very end. That's basically the whole thing. Like, and there's a Skype call that gets canceled or hung up on after, like, five seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, she, and her character I thought was good in the book. Um, she's kind of like the overarching mother figure for the family, and she's, like, kind of putting everybody... She's very disciplined, and she's very, like, hard-nosed and straight-edged and stuff, and putting everybody in their place. But um, I, I would have loved to see more of her. And then I thought Kitty was actually a lot more of a child in the book than she was in the movie. Maybe that was because she had the motivation to, like, send those letters out. Yep. But I feel like her character was a lot more... It felt She felt older in the movie than she did in the book. The book, she felt like she was probably, like, eight or nine years old. Yeah. But... There's, like, a... There is, like, a... In the book, like, a child... There's, like, a crush, really, on Peter Kavinsky in the book, right? Like, she loves getting rides to school from yeah. him. Mm -hmm. And she's definitely infatuated with, like, this cool older boy mm -hmm. who's doing stuff for her sister. Yeah. That well, sort of exists in the movie, but, like... A little bit. There's, like, the yogurt scene. Yeah. Um, not too much. And then, I guess, the scene where they're, like, eating popcorn on the couch. But it's, it's oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It a little bit. Yeah. What was the other thing you said, the second part of your point? The Peter Kaminsky and Laura Jean, like, connection. Oh, with the... grief or... Yeah. It's not really even grief because Laura Jean... I, I mean, maybe... I don't know. I don't think she's that sad about, like, her mom. Or it's not... It's not really well, played up. I would just say that. Yeah, it's not well, played I, up. It's I, just sort of like a fact of her upbringing. Yeah. Right. Well, so I think, I don't know when it exactly had happened, but it seemed like it had happened a long time ago, and she had kind of, like, come to terms with it. Yeah. She had accepted it, wasn't going to, like, cry over it anymore, whatever. Sure, certainly she could be sad about it, but it wasn't, like, a, a recent thing for her. Yeah. In either, in either the book or the movie. But, yeah, the, the thing with um, Peter's dad, so I guess he... I don't know when that happened either but it seemed like it was more recent he said two years in the movie if they did it two years ago yeah. so it's fairly recent he i guess he just leaves his family and then starts a new family yeah and just like doesn't have any contact with them or whatever which seems like you know you can argue that that might be even worse honestly because you know if you're if you, you have a somebody who dies it's final it's like it's, I feel like that's maybe easier to accept. Maybe not for everybody, but, like, yeah, that happened. But it's, like, maybe harder to understand that your father left you and just created this whole new family and, like, doesn't pay attention to it anymore. That is almost, like, because you know he's out there and he doesn't want anything to do with you. It's almost, like, yeah. worse in a sense. At some point, everyone ultimately dies, but not every father, like, chooses to opt out of, like, a family unit, right? right so it's right. sort of a rejection versus... Something that's not a rejection. Yeah. But I'm glad they didn't dive into that too much because that's not what this movie was. No, not at all. Right? It's like, yeah. that would have, would have been, been like a way darker drama. Yeah. But um, that certainly played up the connection between the two. And, um, you know, there was one scene I thought was really odd. It was like, they did this in the book and the movie where there, Peter Kavinsky is having dinner with Laura Jean with the Kavinsky family, with his mother and I think his brother. And she, she says, oh, how's your mother doing? Or something like that. She, like, brings up the mother. Yeah. Or she, like, or she says something, oh, she must love having three girls, you know, whatever. Granted, she doesn't know, or she had forgotten that she had died. And then his, Peter Kavinsky goes, mom, I told you, like, she died, like, years ago or whatever. Yeah. It's all matter. So I don't know what, I don't understand why that is put in. It doesn't, it doesn't really do anything for the story, right? It's like, Okay, maybe it says that his his mother is maybe like a forgetful. Like I don't 
or maybe it seems like maybe he's trying to protect Laura Jean or be respectful of Laura Jean. I don't really know what that's what that device that that's put in there is for. Yeah, I don't know either. My when you said that, I was just thinking about peanuts like Charlie Brown and how all the adults in that cartoon are just like want 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 want. So when you're writing something for a certain audience you are like appealing to them by making the adults not you're like changing how the adults operate right like Mm -hmm. the mom is forgetful the dad is like actually never really home for the cubby family right uh just like they're 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 not there and so the hero of the story has to be the kids okay this is a story for people like her people like him Mm -hmm. and they're reading this and thinking like yeah Adulterated student, Dumb, like right. I would, I would react like this as well in the yeah, same yeah, yeah. situation. I see. Okay, that makes sense. I could see that. That's a half-formed thought, but yeah, no, I feel but, like that occurs often in young adult literature. Right? Yeah, right. like the mom is zany, the dad is zany, right. or someone's gone or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, it does look good on his part, on Peter's part. Sorry, Peter Kavinsky. I can't just say Peter. It looks good on Peter Kavinsky's part to do that, to sort of like be mad at his mom because it's like. He's trying to respect Laura Jean's, you know, history, her, you know, or, or her emotions, essentially. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, um, I also wanted to ask you, wasn't, I don't know if you got this as well, but, like, in the book, Peter Kavinsky is way douchier yeah. than in the movie. Yeah. Like, he's a, Peter Kavinsky's, like, not even really that douchey at all in the movie, I thought. Maybe, like, a couple times. But he's kind of, like, a, just a, a nice guy who's charismatic and... Yeah, but the but the book version, he was like, An way asshole. way asshole and way full of himself. Yeah. So yeah. Why, so why do you think that? Why do you think they changed that in the movie? Maybe that's just casting. Mm. I don't know. You're definitely right, and they, I mean, clearly they they thought about that because we just talked about the car. Right. And yeah, I mean, he's more. I probably plays the cross in the book too, but like mm-hmm. he's, he's definitely more of like a, nice jock kind of guy yeah. who like as soon as he gets this letter comes to talk to laura jean about it yeah he has good manners like he shows up at the house shakes the dad's hand like all that yeah and he does that in the book too but then like behind people's backs he's just full of himself so yeah. I, I wonder if it's just like i don't know is it, it's not maybe it's like ability but the movie is so far on his side that yeah. it's like I mean, it's the first scene where genevieve and laura jean get into that fight right yeah. Remember they bump into each other and they start automatically, like clawing each other, right? Like, yeah. It's like, and then Peter Kavinsky comes up and kind of like, not really sure what's going on, and then Genevieve is like, is a bitch to Laura Jean, and he, he kind of apologizes for. Her. Yeah. It's like he would never do that in the book. That no. guy, that character would never do that. Yeah. So. I, I don't know because it's it's like very pro Peter Kavinsky in the movie, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about this in a second too, but like. There's no love triangle like there is in the book. Like they, I think they kind of want Josh to be a, a thing in the movie, mm. but like it doesn't work. Yeah. And so it's really just this like one-on-one relationship where Peter Kavinsky is kind of always great. Yeah. And like I, I, I don't know. It it almost like doesn't work. Like Josh he, is he's almost too good. Josh is like an afterthought in the movie. So oh yeah, I forgot this guy was like she had a crush on this guy. It's yeah. not. It's not. It's not. A, testament to like that actor but like he just wasn't a part of it he wasn't as much of a part of the movie as he was in the book in the book he's like 
he might be like the main motivation. The this was my fifth point. We made it here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's so small in this movie. It it like makes the movie almost not work. Yeah. Yeah. It, especially like it, it sort of makes him look crazy. It makes him look like this crazy neighbor who like. Like he, you know, he broke. He got broken up with Margot, and now he's trying to like. He finds out that Laura Jean likes him or liked him, yeah. and now he's trying to like move in, kind of like he's trying to figure out what's going on. But they did have the one scene at the end where he was like, kind of a nice guy and stuff. But he he was kind of like, I don't know. It was just kind of an after afterthought. But I don't know. There wasn't really that drama. They tried to play that drama at the end, the last scene where they're. Peter and um, Josh are fighting, like, hey, bro. Yeah. And he calls him a bony bear wannabe. Yeah. That was so funny. <laughs> uh, wearing his, he's, like, wearing his hood and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that, that scene just didn't feel right as, as much as it felt right in the book. Yeah. This is, like, all the stuff I want to talk about. Let's get into it. Because I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think the, to me, the problem is that they, they just strip Josh of all of, like, his motivation in a certain way like in the in the book he's their neighbor they all love him he's a really good dude like Mm -hmm. more or less um and crucially he has sex with margo yeah right so they have a very they have a physical connection Mm -hmm. and when she goes to college on the one hand it's like okay you're going to college and you know your mom told you never to have a call don't go to college with a boyfriend right which is fine yeah but there is this like there is a there is a like a knot that binds them together in a certain way. Like yeah. they were like each other's first. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah, you know, for in sure. Life and um and I think it's harder to throw that person away immediately because the book really only spans like four months. Right. Yeah. It's like her going to college, and at the end it's Christmas. Yeah. So four or yeah, five so months. Like August to yeah. Yeah, and so it makes a lot more sense in the book when Margot leaves and comes back that it would, there would still be this sort of, like, longing for her. In the movie, she leaves. She's never really back. Then she finally comes back. And it's, like, a whole thing where, like, why are you still even into Josh? Right. Like, who cares? Right. We've never seen this before. And it's like, Josh, why are you still into Margo? Because you're sort of into Laura Jean. Right. I don't really understand either of them. Yeah. Um, it's a, yeah. It doesn't, there's a lot of dynamics at play that, you're right, that don't necessarily fit. And then Laura Jean and Josh didn't even talk at the end of the movie, I think. Like, they didn't even, like, say anything. They had, like, a final scene. Did they? That was, like, we're cool. Oh. But the problem with the ending... Oh, not Laura Jean, sorry, I meant Margo. Margo and Josh didn't talk. No. Yeah, Laura Jean and him did. Yeah. So the problem with the ending is that... I mean, you're right. So what happens is there's a a final... At the movie, it's a dinner party. In the book, I think it's, like, an actual party, like a Mm -hmm. Christmas party. And Peter is... It's post-ski trip. I guess we yeah. should, we're missing like a crucial part of this movie. Yeah, right, right. There's a ski trip where Peter goes with Laura Jean. There's a photo or video taken of them in the hot tub together that's passed off as like a... Like a sex video. Sex video. Yeah. Um, and she's really pissed about that. In the movie, he sort of like steps up and is like, "We this never happened. Right. And so you're like, okay, well, this is done. This drama is done. Mm-hmm. And then in the book... He doesn't really do anything. He sort of like eggs them all. And he's like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, right, right. Or he didn't yeah. say, I, we didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. So all this comes to a head at this final party where Laura Jean is there with her family and maybe some extended relatives, depending yeah. on what version it is. Peter comes over to 
He apologized, professed his love or whatever. Right. Laura Jean just yells at him. Uh, Josh comes over and is like, hey, Peter Kavinsky, you're an asshole. Stop right. yelling at her. And then it just is like devolves i feel so crazy saying this yeah but yeah josh yells at peter and laura jean is like oh, i never even liked you josh even when we like and then margo overhears yeah i think they kiss in the book but they don't kiss in the movie yeah that sounds right and so margo overhears and it's like oh my god i can't believe this happened that's my boyfriend and so now you've created conflicts between laura jean and all three of these people yeah. margo josh and peter kavinsky yeah and immediately thereafter peter and josh leave Laura Jean goes to apologize to Margot. The next scene, she apologizes to Josh. And the scene after that, she goes to apologize to Peter. Yeah. It's like, yeah. there's no fucking conflict here. <laughs> You've created one scene where people got mad at each other for stupid reasons. Right. And then you resolve it immediately. Interesting. Right? Yeah. I mean, why do it like that? I mean, it's sort of like a, it's almost like a fake attempt at like trying to create drama at the end. Right, this explosion of this exploding scene, everybody just like starts yelling at each other. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really. No one should be mad at anybody. Yeah, that's my opinion. Right. <laughs> everybody just chill. The fuck I mean, out. I understand that Laura Jean feels like betrayed by Peter, like pissed off at Josh. Yeah. And Margot's just sort of in the crossfire. Right. But like, let it. This is my note for like all. A lot of writing that I read when I do writers group. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta let the scene breathe, man. Yeah. So what would you? What would you? How would you like resolve that? Or well, like... I like the book much better. Okay. Where the like blow ups were a little more drawn out and like personal. Like it takes like thirty five pages yeah. for this whole scene, and yeah. the movie it's like five ten minutes. Yeah. Probably ten minutes. Yeah. But I, I just I think fundamentally the problem is that like Josh is not a part of the movie, but he's a part of the ending yeah and it just doesn't work yeah i mean he's basically in the movies in the book too but like he's basically trying to be this protector guy you know he's, he he wants to be part of the the song family right or covey i'm sorry God damn it. The covey family so it's like it's this weird thing where he just he just uh, it's kind of a nuisance in the movie and in the book he's more of like this protector guy he's more like this guy who's likable in the movie he's not really like likable like there's a clear like i wouldn't i don't wouldn't call peter Gibbons necessarily a villain but he's probably as close as you're going to get to a villain in that book maybe not as bad as uh, genevieve or jen yeah but close to her but in the movie he was way farther closer he was way closer to being like a protagonist yeah and josh was just kind of left like okay well i'm certainly not an antagonist Am I the protagonist? Am I a protagonist? Like, what's my role in this movie? And he couldn't really, like, develop that. Maybe that was the problem with the movie. They couldn't develop that at all. Yeah. So it sort of, like, played everything else down. Do you think it's because Noah Centineo is, like, too... Not that he's, like, not like good, as in, like, haloed or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. he's fundamentally, like, good, right? Like, there's no asshole in him. So you can't really set someone off of him mm -hmm. because he needs to be the asshole because he like comes in to an already established quote-unquote relationship between yeah. Laura Jean and Josh but he's he's he like he walks in the movie yeah. and you're just like this is my guy this right? is a nice like, guy yeah. yeah so yeah they needed they probably needed somebody who was like a little more conniving a little more like you're not sure about like he never 
the Noah guy, he never really came off to me as like an asshole, really ever. Yeah. So maybe that was kind of like miscasting on their part, but you know he's good looking. He's got a lot of followers. Yeah, I like him in the movie. Business. But I didn't. Maybe maybe he just he just didn't start as enough of a dick. Yeah. To have someone play off of his dickness. Yeah. I gotta take acting lessons, man. <laughs> but no, I think you're. I think you're definitely right with the with the ending. It doesn't really make sense for them to be mad at each other. Yeah. Like it literally doesn't make sense. But hey, I mean that's people do things that don't make sense all the time. You know, it's life. That's true. And they're in high school. Yeah. You know, emotions are high, higher, mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, you act, you act in ways that are silly when like reflected upon yeah right you just this part of growing up it's like you need to do dumb shit in order to learn from it not everybody but like until the next scene until the next scene like back to back to back conflict resolution i like that we should we should say that at the end of our like sign offs for until the next scene. oh okay like that um so overall will do you think this was successful well as an adaptation um i would say yes it was successful uh, in the sense that it took all the main characters and, and the major plot points and made it into a living, living breathing movie. So it's successful as in it got, it got made. It got made, yes. And it was posted on Netflix. And lots of people watched it. I mean, so that's a win. Yeah. yeah, so that's a win. In a business sense, I'm a business guy, obviously. How do you say, can you say the finance for me? How do you say finance? Finance, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a business guy over here. What about you? What do you think? Um, I think it. I think it was successful too, but I think it was. It was. It was safe. Mm. Like they didn't. They didn't change enough for it to become its own thing in a way that made sense. Like they. They just chopped things out. Yeah. And in doing that, they sort of like lost their way a little bit. I think. How do you do that as like a screenwriter? Do you, like you? You know, you have this book that's like three fifty pages or whatever it was. And you're like, okay, we certainly can't have everything in here. What do we What do we need to chop out? But how can we make it its own thing? Like, how do you like, How do you do that? Carefully. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a great question. I think you you start by drilling in on the things that are important, like here the relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you know that there is going to be the way the book has it, like a it's not even a love, love triangle. It's like a love W. There's like, you know. Josh is just at the center. <laughs> yeah. Got... So it's like, you know, Josh. Margo. Margo. Laura Jean. But then it's also Josh, Laura Jean. Kitty. No, I, I was going to say Peter. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So there's like these interconnecting webs of love interest yeah. in, in a way. So like knowing that, like you just build from there. Right. Right. So right. The, the book already has a lot of plot for you to steal from, mm-hmm. but depending on, I don't know. I mean, there's budget, there's, yeah, there's, the a, there's like business stuff, but there's also things that you're interested in as a writer. Yeah, that's true. So like, do I want another scene of, I mean, I'm sure there's like, there's, there's decisions that are made for reasons that are very personal to the writer or like, totally irrelevant like right. we talked about like not liking a character name right yeah, yeah so you just change a character name for no reason right 
or there's like, well, how many times can somebody watch a scene like a, this certain meet cute, yeah, right? Yeah, where like right. somebody does this and they're like, oh my god, that's amazing. Right. So knowing a novel is one thing, and knowing like what film history is to try to to try to be creative in how you're telling a story that's in a genre that has a lot of tropes. Yeah, for sure. Because the way this genre works is like really similar, you know boy meets girl they bristle they fall in love something big happens they break up and then they realize they actually need to be together at the end right right so you have those like beats to hit so how do you do that in a way that is how do you hide how do you hide that yeah. Yeah, yeah how do you make it interesting how do you hide the the like writerly interesting how do you hide the seams this is a good way to do it or it's a good way to phrase this how do you hide the the tropes how do you hide the yeah the major plot points yeah that you have to hit yeah interesting the better you hide it, the better it is. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't feel like a, a story that's being told to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big realism guy. <laughs> you know this. I'm a big surrealism guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so make it feel real and make it feel like the characters are making decisions that make sense. Right. Not so, just to yeah. fulfill a narrative structure. So, like, in this movie, they are breaking up for a reason, to me, that doesn't, like, really make sense. Mm-hmm. There's no, they don't have a dialogue that discusses, like, there's a video of me not even having sex on Instagram. Right. Like, stick up for me, or whatever. Yeah. He's like, no. Yeah. Let the, let the mystery be. Yeah. So, like, a- actions happen, and then we need to create, so the actions happen, conflict is created, and that conflict manifests in conversation, mm-hmm. or looks or feels or whatever right, right, you know right. yeah and then it has to build right like right. if you get mad at somebody maybe you make up with them immediately sure but like it, it depends on the level of conflict and your relationship with that person already right 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 so have, welcome to eric's <laughs> therapy session <laughs> i feel sicker than i was before <laughs> all right so who won the movie you know, it's funny, I wrote down here Noah Centineo, mm-hmm. and then we just sort of talked about how he maybe was a little bit miscast, or yeah. he, he didn't change as much as he does in the book, and so n- n- maybe I'm rethinking it, I don't well, know. Well, how many Instagram followers do you think he got from this movie? So many. Yeah, so he's, so he's a winner, you're right. He won. <laughs> it's finance, dude. Second place, Netflix. <laughs> Second place, Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Who lost? I wrote down Audis. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it could have been, um, this is a really matter. popular movie. Could have been the car. Yeah. So it was that's Jeeps. True. Yeah. They went topless. That's, Shout out you said that already, and I'm, I'm going to steal it. <laughs> My winner was Teenage Girls. For So they got Noah, another teenage heartthrob. He's probably not teenage, but like. I think he's 24. Yeah, something. But he's a heartthrob. Yeah, I, think, I think his birthday is November 1st. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think? Oh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> And the loser was Josh, because, well, for obvious reasons, he lost his girlfriend, he lost his friends throughout the movie, and he, he got overplayed by Noah Centineo. Are you looking up Noah Centineo's birthday? Yeah, it's May 9th. God, how could you not know that? Yeah, but he's six foot one, and he's got brown eyes. So He's over six foot, that's huge for girls. Yeah, and maybe that's why he has all those Instagram followers. <laughs> he should just put his height on his Instagram. Yeah, six one. <laughs> So yeah, that's my winner loser. Good. Uh, Josh is a loser. I'm glad we fuck Josh. Come down on this. Fucking bony bear wannabe. Yeah, that's a really good burn. Yeah. It's like fuck. 
Somebody said that to me. I don't know what I do. <laughs> buy new, you buy an Audi. <laughs> Final thoughts. Do you have a favorite quote? Uh, now it's Bon Iver wannabe. <laughs> I didn't Actually, have any. I couldn't think of anything when when preparing for this. Yeah, yeah. So I left it blank. Okay. Well, Bon Iver wannabe. Bon Iver wannabe is good. Let's go on. Mine was. I looked it up on IMDb. Your mouth is saying something, but then your mouth said something completely different. When after he's no said that to. Or that was after. That's she your favorite stuff. quote, but you had to look it up. Correct, because I didn't have I didn't <laughs> have a favorite quote before. I just wanted to put that on the record. <laughs> okay. Um, any moments that stick out to you? I liked in the movie the final scene when she goes to walk towards him he's like finishing lacrosse practice mm-hmm. which by the way if i'm playing high school lacrosse or whatever sport and this girl like walks onto the practice field even when practice is done okay that's different the first time she does it it's like middle of practice yeah, yeah. and he's like what are you doing here takes off his goalie helmet and yeah, they, like yeah. make out <laughs> like no no shot, no shot. i would be Never. so well th- i would be in- embarrassed if, and I would be oh, like yeah. kind of mad if, if she came up to you and was like yeah hey. she like walks on the baseball field and oh, was I'd just be... like hey Eric I'm just kissing you at first base I'm like, get out of here <laughs> I would be pissed too and plus like if you watch the scene like there's literally just pairs of guys running in different directions like what drills are they running like what what is this yeah. and he's not doing anything plus if it was actually practice balls would be flying around she'd get hit in the head yeah it'd be super dangerous like, that's dangerous yeah good point this, that's a great point yeah, that's right. so, but like that's the dramatic effect, you know what I'm saying? Is girls want to envision like a dramatic moment? You know, the girls watching the movie want to envision a dramatic moment for themselves. Like, oh, I just walk I mean, right up to him and I just kiss him on the lips. But guys like that too, right? Like, you yeah, know, if sure. you're playing a game, you're like, oh, wow, I like scored the winning goal or I hit a home run, and then like yeah. everybody in the stands was like, damn, so that's, that's great. That guy's sick. I'm like, wow, yeah. And then I just grab the, you know, the my girlfriend from the side and just kiss her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've never envisioned. We're well, not allowed to kiss her because the contract stipulates. Oh, okay, right. That, uh, Only hand in the pocket, which is weird to me. Yeah, it's like. Well, and then also their their movie references were Sixteen Candles, and Fight Club. And Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt like it felt like. When we were in high school, maybe. Mm. Like movie references that are not quite like two thousand eighteen. Yeah. But maybe not. I mean, people watch Fight Club. I doubt the people who watch this movie really know about Sixteen Candles. Yeah. I mean, that is an old, that's like 80s, right? Or maybe early 90s. 80s. And I'm sure they know about Fight Club, but it seemed like odd choice. Those just felt like they were thrown in, like, you haven't seen Fight Club? Yeah. It was just like, I don't know, I, this is a side note, but I didn't really like Laura Kandor's acting. I thought it was very, like... Oh, interesting. I just thought she wasn't good. Like, at the very beginning, she's had a few lines where she was like, all the girls, the... The Covey girls were on the bed or something. And it was just like script. Like it was like you're reading a script. That's just dialogue, baby. Get a hat, come in, write, rewrite it, no problem. <laughs> Act! Like this, <laughs> this woman has part of a big budget movie. Like, we need an actor here, please. Yeah. But she, besides that, she did great. Yeah. Besides not being able to act very well, she did great. <laughs> yeah, okay. But I thought, I, yeah, I mean, I thought... It, 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 I wasn't, like, impressed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did. She did enough to like do the role and like. Yeah, these are also young kids, you know. I'm available. I mean, what's up? You're right. What's going on? I don't think you could play a high schooler. I'm not. <laughs> I I could you know shave a little bit. You know who can't play a high schooler? That Vine star. Oh, dude. 
I saw him. I was like, this guy is like 35. <laughs> He's so old. I think they had to make him shave for it. That guy is so funny, man. King Bach. Yeah. I forgot his, his Andrew Bachelor or anything or something like that. Some, some Bachelor is his real name. But I'm so glad he got into movies because he was like one of my favorite Vine guys back in the day. Yeah. He was so funny. I mean, he still is funny. He's on Instagram a lot. Not everything he does is good now, but I'm glad somebody made it out of Vine. You know what I mean? Like somebody. Somebody actually, needed to. Who, you know, there's Logan Paul and Jake Paul. Those were big Vine guys too. I'm going to cut all this. <laughs> this has gone off the road. All right, well. The I'm ready. final question. Okay. What is better, the book or the film? Um, I wrote down film, but I guess I'm just going to stick with it. I, d- I just don't know. <laughs> like I just, I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy either. I mean, I guess I... Had, the film was shorter, so therefore I liked it better. Wow. <laughs> You know what? I uh, I am gonna say the book. Okay. Might be you're changing your answer. I see it written here on our Google Doc. You know, it's like um, when you're watching Monday Night Countdown or whatever, and they already have the the like, who do you think is gonna win tonight, Randy Moss? And he's oh, like, you yeah. know what? I loaded the 49ers into your system, but I'm changing my mind <laughs> and I'm picking the Ravens. So uh, yeah, I'm changing right. my mind. I'm picking the book. It's a shocker. Uh, yeah. There's shocker more. Me. There's more to the book that I I feel like the the plot makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And as a uh, as somebody that wants to support narratives that make sense, I'm gonna why would you? I'm gonna put my support behind the book. I don't understand why you wouldn't support that, but that's fine. I guess well, quality over um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quality over everything. People remember that. Yeah, right. <laughs> we gotta make T-shirts. <laughs> we should. <laughs> okay, well, that I think wraps it up for us. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And next time we're going to be doing Bird Box, the Josh Mallerman novel uh, that was made into a Netflix film that stars Sandra Bullock. Um, should be a good one. And we're going to be doing it uh, probably the last week of July. So look for that when it comes out. Um, so we thank you guys for listening and appreciate you getting this far. And of course, we want to shout out our uh, most beloved listener, Shia LaBeouf who is coming out with a new movie, The Tax Collector. So go see that August 7th. Um, And thank you all for listening, and good night and good luck.